stay there. You know what? I believe that every single person on this planet can make a difference. And I believe that we all have something to offer, something that's so unique that it will change somebody else's life. I believe we all deserve to step into our true selves. And I believe that every single person needs to feel great about themselves. I want you to step into who you truly are and I want you to make a difference for somebody else and for yourself. And I don't think it's that hard. It's a matter of putting one step in front of the other and just taking action. And I'm interviewing guests that have done just that. I'm Karen Vaughan. This is the Get Off The Bench podcast. And here is where you can make that decision to make your life count. It all starts with you saying yes. Hey guys, and welcome to another week of the Get Off the Bench podcast. This week, I'm chatting with Elena Kalareva, who is the CEO and founder of Gips Tech. And she also has a PhD in computer science, and she worked for Google and did a whole lot of amazing stuff. She's the she's the brains behind um, Startup Gippsland and Work My Own Way and a whole stack of other stuff. Like she is the startup guru. She's absolutely fantastic. And that, that was where... I decided I would interview her about all that stuff to give you some uh, some information on that. However, in light of the war that has broken out between Russia and Ukraine, I imagine that most people are feeling like I am and feeling somewhat helpless, but also feeling uh, frustrated and angry and a whole whole range of other emotions that are sort of bubbling up for all of us at the moment I guess there's fear you know we don't know how far this is going to go um we we all want to you know finish him off and everything else and it's just becoming I don't know we're all trying to we've, we've had enough stuff going on in the last couple of years and now this and we're all kind of you know we'll feel like we're walking on eggshells and and what I wanted to talk to Elena about is uh, her? she's very, very connected to this issue that's going on over there, very personally connected. And I think it would be really, really good to give somebody in that situation some airtime um, so that we can hear how things really are and, 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 and hear about ways that we can perhaps help rather than being frustrated, sitting here thinking that there's nothing I can do. So... Uh, maybe I'll get Elena on another time to talk about startups, but right now we're going to talk about uh, this war in a very positive light and work out how we can actually do something, get off the bench and do something to help this situation. So let's get into it. Welcome, Elena. Thanks, Karen. I, I won't say it's great to be here because it's, there's not the circumstances either of us would have wished, but yeah, thank you. Oh, look, it's my pleasure. I, you know, as I said in the very intro, you know, I wanted to get you on to talk about all, all the great stuff that you do with um, startups and it, with with Gips Tech. And, you know, I think that uh, because this podcast is Get Off the Bench, you know, there's some amazing information you've got to share in that space. And I, I would like to come back to that in another interview. But I think that, you know, you and I talked a couple of days ago and, and in light of the stuff that's happening in Ukraine, um, I think it's very easy for the world to say, oh, bloody Russians or, you know, with the with the uh, COVID thing to say, oh, bloody Chinese, you know, and, and we tend to sort of label, you know, all the people from a country with the same brush. And, 
you know, you, you being Russian, you were born in Russia and uh, this stuff that's unfolding now, uh, Russia and Ukraine, and which it won't end there, you know, unless something's done. It, I think I think this is a really good opportunity to actually have this conversation, a raw conversation with somebody who is, is emotionally attached, you know, and, and territorially attached to that situation and feels can really share the pain of what's what's going on. And I think that it's nice for us to understand it from that perspective rather than being bashed by Western media. Do you, and, and, I, and I think, I hope you're going to share, I really think that there's stuff that we can do rather than feel helpless. So um, do, do you want to just like, I don't even know where to start with this interview. I don't know where to go with it. I, I just want it to be raw yeah. and honest and, and let's yeah. just see how it unfolds. But do you want to tell us about your family and, you know, yeah. you coming out here and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. yeah. So I was born in Russia. I left when I was, was eight years old. So so while English isn't my first language, it's definitely my best language at this point. I, I do speak Russian, but not anywhere near as well as English. Um, I've got family in both Russia and Ukraine. So this is something that really affects me personally. And that's that's also something that I wanted to mention that like probably most Ukrainians would have family and friends in Russia. A lot of Russians would have family and friends in Ukraine. So this is the, the nature of this war. Like it's it's a fratricidal war. It's it's like Australia invading New Zealand or America invading Canada. Mm. The, the personal and family connections are that close. And I wanted to start a bit by just telling you a bit about my family and how they're affected. Yep. So my great-grandmother's sister, um, Auntie Katya, she, she died the day before the war started. She fought in World War II. She was an army medic. And her daughter was telling my mum that, that it's just so heartbreaking that she went through that entire war and survived that war. And now that she's being buried, it's war, war again. They managed to get the whole family together for, to have a funeral and to be able to say goodbye to her. It was after the war had begun that they knew that Russian troops had crossed the border, um, but it was still quiet where they, where they lived, so, so they were able to get the family together at least. Mm. Um, at the moment, so some of, they, some of them have left. Um, so my mum's cousin and, and her kids, I think, are on, on the way to um, Poland. Um, hopefully they've crossed the border by now. Um, where they live, um, so some of them live um, in a city that, that's um, kind of in, in Western Ukraine, fairly close to the Polish border. Um, so that's um, not, that, that, that area hasn't seen heavy fighting. They've had some air raids and, and I think some military, um, like places nearby have been bombed, but um, it's been fairly quiet. Um, the other cities in, in central Ukraine, um, but it's not in one of the areas that's like seen really heavy fighting. So again, they've, they've had air raids. I've seen like pictures of explosions in the outskirts, um, but like they, they've been escaping the worst of it so far. Um, one of my mum's friends lives in Kiev and I had a call with her yesterday and that's really where it's, it's been the, the worst of the fighting. So she was saying that she lives about five to seven kilometers out, like she lives kind of on the outskirts of the city. And like, so she, she's like reasonably far away from where the bombing is going on, but it's just constant bombardment, not being able to sleep, the windows in her apartment rattling from, from the explosions. 
um, she was saying that that like the bombardment was so heavy last night that that she had a cup of coffee sitting on the table and the ground was shaking so much that the coffee was spilling over the edges of the cup. So when I called, when I had the call with her, she apologised for the dim lighting. She, she was lit only by the light from her phone um, and say, said that the government had um, told citizens to observe a blackout. For anyone who doesn't understand the implications of that, let me spell that out. A blackout is what you do when you believe that the enemy forces are targeting those buildings. What that means is that the Ukrainian government believes Russian forces will deliberately target civilian buildings. Mm -hmm. And that has been confirmed by multiple sources at this point. Amnesty International has said that the Russian forces are deliberately targeting civilians. There's been interviews with a um, captured Russian soldier, like just a kid, maybe 19, 20 years old. Um, and he was saying that, that um, first of all, he, he was saying that the colonels told us that, that Ukraine had attacked Russia and that Ukraine was bombing Russian cities. Um, and um, then also he said, basically, shoot anyone who resists, including civilians. That was what we were ordered. And the interviewer was just incredulous at that. Like he clarified it several times. Like they, they told you to shoot civilians. I think the idea that this is happening in, in the 21st century is just... Mm. It's unbelievable, and yet it's reality. It's what's happening. This this is basically like this is atrocities on a scale that have not been seen in Europe since World War II. This this is like the Nazi invasion, mm. and it should not be seen at all. It's just it's you would you know it's, we've got a, a very false sense of security, haven't we? You know we keep thinking that that well no one's ever going to allow a war. You know nobody's ever going to allow this to happen, and yet and yet. Some dictator. Nobody, yeah, nobody is us. It's it's. Do we allow it to happen? Like every single one of us. Like we are nobody or somebody mm. in this situation. Yeah. What are you prepared to do? Like you individually to prevent this from happening? Yeah. And, and and I want to get I want to get further into that soon because we we do feel helpless and we do you know not think we can. But I know you've got some ideas and I do want to share them in a minute. With your, um, you know, speaking to your auntie there and she's, like, going through the blackout, how how terrifying must that be? I don't, it's, you, you, it's unfathomable, you know, to be thinking I've got to sit here in the dark and it's, and it's, it's almost like waiting to be, to be blown up. And I, I th there's nothing, I'm like... I, it's it's hard for most of us to imagine that somebody can be so bloody cruel. You know, we we all talk about Hitler and we all talk about what he did to the Jews and how incredible, incredibly cruel he was. Yeah. And yet we 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 kind of dismiss it. Well, that was in the past, you know, and 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 we forget that there are dictators amongst us, real, real yeah. tyrannic mongrels, you know, that are just sitting there waiting to. To, and, and to shoot civilians, I, I just find it absolutely abhorrent, you know, it, and I don't think Putin's going to go, oh, well, Karen thinks it's terrible, I must stop, you know, like. It yeah, exactly. Like a, a, a psychopath doesn't care about people judging him, a psychopath doesn't doesn't care about, like doesn't listen to reason, a psychopath doesn't care about your feelings. Like a psychopath is never going to stop unless he's punched in the face. It, well, I kind of hope that happens. In fact, yeah, I, yeah, I, exactly. I hope it happens with a bloody 
machine gun many, many times over straight through his body. And I don't care who who, who thinks I'm bloody cruel for saying that because the, I, 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 I don't understand war. Do you know? I just think that it's, it's a waste of, it's a waste of everything. And it's, I, my, my, and I'm going to say very primal instincts because it's not even rational is I just keep saying, why can't they just shoot the bastard? You know, why can't they just take him out? And I, I know there's a million reasons why that can't happen because there'll be repercussions all over the place, do you, you know, but it, I just wish they could. And I just, just listening to you talking about your auntie, it, it, it fills me with, I don't know, I don't even know, I can't even explain the emotion that I feel. And it's it's like she's sitting there, but only you said on the on the distance, but she's only five or six k's away, and a, a bomb can go skew if five or six k's pretty damn quick, you know. But not only that, is is isn't she feeling like I don't know how many my friends were yeah. hit with that last explosion that I heard that shook my coffee? Do you, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it, it's it's horrific, and and. Oh, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm I still, I'm sort of going to muffle, buffle my way through this because I don't even know what to say. I really don't know what to say. But, it's, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and what I do know to, to say is that the rest of the world is with Ukraine do, and, yeah, and it's, yeah. it's, it's awful. When you talk about this being World War Three, and I agree with you, and I think there's a lot of us that have been sitting here knowing, knowing, just sitting in our lives, knowing that um, we're not, some people sit naively saying, no, it'll never happen, you know, we're, we're done with that, that's in the olden days, that sort of stuff doesn't happen. There's another branch of us that sit here going, hmm, that's really mm. possible, that is very, very possible, especially with... Um, Russia, China, North Korea, you know, you only need a handful of nutcases and the world's on yeah. fire. You only you only need three three mental heads yeah. and it's done. And so you talk about, I know you talk about it being World War Three, but you also talk about it being um, prior to this, an information war. You know, I know yeah. that you feel that World War Three started years ago and I'm with you, except I don't understand it like you do. In fact, can I just stop here and say give you yeah. a compliment and I know it sort of sounds a little bit off the cuff and it's not it's not I'm not really digressing but there are a lot of people that are hugely intelligent that I admire you know with very high IQs you are one of them however what I'm going to say is a lot of those people don't have a lot of common sense either you know they can be very intelligent but you've you've got both and the way you present information and I saw something on Facebook that you presented it you are so you're so considered and sensible and so intelligent. I, I, I just want to say that I really admire you for that. And I think that I wanted to say that because I want people to know who I'm talking to. Do, you know, I, I, beyond beyond you as a face, I want people to know that that this isn't just coming from some irrational mm-hmm. thoughts because you're uh, you're Russian and you've got emotions attached. Like that. you're you're an extremely well thought out person, and I think. Um, so that brings me into the bit about um, the information war. Oh, actually, and I also should say that you've got a massive background in um, IT, you know, and information technology, all of the stuff that is relevant. So you, you've got an understanding that none, a lot of us don't have. Um, yeah. So tell, tell us what you think about this information war that's been going on. 
So first of all, I might start with that, just um, giving the background behind that comment that I do believe this, this is World War III. Yep. Um, the reason why I say that, even though the bombs are only falling on Ukraine right now, is that this is not the start of the war. This is an escalation. Putin invaded Georgia in 2008. He invaded Ukraine in 2014. The attack on, on the US election in, in 2016, that was also part of, that was an act of war. It was an act of information war. Um, and this is just another escalation in that process. Psychopaths always escalate. If, if they're allowed to get away with it the first time, they will do something worse next time. That's been the pattern for Putin all of these, these past few years. And if he's not stopped this time, then he will not stop with Ukraine. There will be more war and it will go beyond Ukraine. That is why it is so critical that he be stopped now. Mm. The reason why I say that it is a world war, it's a global war right now, it's not just a war in Ukraine, is the information war side of it, that is global. The information war side, basically, the the, the attack um, on the US election, that was something that, that, like, basically, from a Russian military standpoint, information warfare is a core part of warfare, just as, as, like, land, sea and air is part of war. Information is also part of war, and it's been considered that way since the 1920s. The West is only just starting to catch up now to that, that way of thinking. Mm. Now, the reason why I use the term information war rather than cyber war, cyber war is specifically things like hacking, malware, viruses, trying to damage infrastructure, trying to steal, steal money and data. Like cyber war is very specific and limited to that. Information war goes well beyond cyber war. Information war includes things like propaganda, misinformation, um, uh, lies and deception, um, bribery, intimidation, threats, um, sometimes covert assassinations, um, all of that is part of information warfare. And information warfare, the goal of it is making your enemy change their minds. The goal of it is, is winning hearts and minds one way or another, whether, whether through positive means or through threats and intimidation and bullying people into doing what you want. Mm. Um, and that attack on the US elections, that was definitely a part of the information war. One of the reasons why I feel like I can talk calmly about the situation, why I haven't cried about what's been going on, is that I've seen this coming for five years now. The, the night that Trump got elected, I went home and I told my husband, this is the start of World War III. Mm. That was the day when, like, to me, that, that was when um, Putin's previous attacks and his ongoing attacks in the US for many years at that point that was the day when it paid off, when he was able to get away with it, when, when, when basically the consequences would be impossible. Like he would get no consequences for the next few years. Mm. So that was when I felt that this was really turning from a few um, isolated invasions into a genuine World War Three. So that is why, like, this is something I've basically seen coming, not, not necessarily when or where, but something like this. For five years now when, when um i was asked around christmas this year um do you think putin will invade my answer was yes unless he stopped and I'm, i don't see anyone doing anything that would stop him right now mm. so that that's the, the world war three part of it um and now getting to the information war part so i told you what information war is but one thing to be aware of is in an information war every single one of us is a combatant 
every time you like or post or, or like um, reshare re something on social media, every time you leave a comment on social media on anything relating to either the war or any of the like various other aspects of propaganda that Russia is trying to influence. And Trump, for example, is another aspect where, where they really are actively still trying to influence that. Mm. Um, every time you interact with that kind of information on the web, you are in one way or another contributing to the information war. So the only question is whose side are you fighting on? Mm. And choosing to do nothing is also still picking a side. Even if you never post anything, even if you never say anything on social media, the only thing it takes for evil to triumph is for good people to do nothing. Mm. So for everybody who is listening to this, I think most of us have at some point in our lives wondered, like, what would we have done if we'd been alive um, in the 1930s and 40s? Like, would we have been among the people who um, ended up resisting the Nazis or would we have been among the people who basically just fell in line, just allowed it to happen? Would, would we have been worse? Would we have been the ones that got caught up in the Nazi cult and, and been active participants in atrocities? What, what, what would we have been if we'd lived then? You don't have to ask yourself that question anymore because your actions right now, they are the answer. Mm. So what can we do when you, you know, I don't, I don't know, helplessness is, a, is a, a funny thing and I've felt helpless on many occasions and I've talked about this before with the bushfires and, you know, we're sort of hitting brick walls everywhere and it made me believe I was helpless, you know, and we often will look at something that's going on somewhere else in the world and think, well, I can't do anything. Like, what, what, what am I supposed to do about this? Even though we would love to, and most of us would love to get a gun and shoot in between the black yeah. eyes, to be honest. Uh -huh. That's what we yeah. would love to do, but we feel we can't do much. So what can we do? Yeah. So none of us, like, if you're listening to this video, you probably do not have the ability to, like, take a gun and shoot Putin. Damn. Um, but you know, there are some people who do. There are people among his inner circle hmm. who may be starting to look at this situation and wondering whether maybe it was not such a great idea to follow a deranged dictator and that maybe he's starting to lead them all straight off a cliff. Yeah. So the information war matters. The information war is actually maybe one of the most crucial parts of this war because the only ways that I can see for this to end well without, like, millions of dead is for either the Russian people to rise up and overthrow Putin or one of Putin's inner circle to realise that, that actually being associated with Putin is not good for their own life expectancy and to do something about it. Mm. So that's basically why I'm thinking that every one of us needs to be involved in the information war in some way. So what you can do specifically, first of all, don't don't fall victim to Russian propaganda. Don't spread Russian propaganda. Don't do things that aid the enemy. Um, before I get into that, actually, one thing I'll say is, is um, I want to address that question of helplessness. Mm. So when we're seeing evil on such a mass scale, it is really easy to feel helpless. It is really easy to feel like there is nothing you can do to change this. Mm. And you can't shoot, shoot Putin, but what you can do is just do something small that makes a difference in a positive direction. Because if billions of people do lots of small actions that push things in the right direction, billions of small acts add up to a big impact. Mm. So yep. basically one thing I'm seeing is that some people are kind of going like, how, how do memes actually matter in a war? Like why are people making memes instead of doing something about it? Well, the memes do matter. Mm. The memes change minds. 
one of my favourite quotes um, from, from a, um, a Lois McMaster Bujold is, a weapon is a device for make, making your opponent change their mind. Mm. Really what, what is going to affect the long-term outcome of this war, Putin's goal is not just to destroy Ukraine. Putin's goal is to destroy Western democracy. Mm. So that is something that can't be done just through weapons. It's something that really is, is about winning the information war. So by getting involved in the information war and supporting Ukraine in the information war, every one of us can make a difference in that space. So what that means is um, sharing verified information from like trusted news sources. So um, journalists that are actually reporting accurate information, fact-checking it, journalists that, that when they do include a quote from Putin, it's, it's written along the lines of um, Putin lied and said blah, 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 despite the fact that the facts showed completely otherwise. So you use trusted sources like that, share that kind of information, and especially share information about um, that, like think about some of the things we've seen in the last few days. So those 13 soldiers on Snake Island, um, the ones whose possibly last words were, were Russian warship, go fuck yourself, they, they chose to die. They were willing to give their lives to create a meme, basically. Yeah. What that means is that they thought that, that, that a meme was worth dying for because the impact of that meme has been greater than the impact of a thousand bullets. So the, that's, that, that's a massive example of why the information war matters. And the information war is something that any one of us can contribute to because by sharing verified, like reliable information about Ukraine, if you have any Russian friends and relatives or, or like any people on your friends list on Facebook, um, they will see that information. Reality is right now, basically all Russian state media is nothing but a complete propaganda like morass. So, for example, there have been reports that, that um, Russian media have been prohibited from using the words war or invasion. They have to use military operation. Um, and, and like it, it is just if you only watched Russian media, you would see just a completely distorted alternate reality view of the world. And so shutting down Russian propaganda, that's another thing that any one of us can do to help fight the information war. Every time you see messaging that is in any way supporting Putin or excusing his behaviour or um, like, but what about blah, 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 like what about the time when, when the, the United States invaded Iraq? Like Any of that kind of nonsense, shut it down. And it's something that you can do to actually support the war. So, um, and, and other aspects of, of um, like, basically anything pro-Trump is also pro-Putin because, like, think about it. Can you imagine a former U.S. president in 1939 saying, oh, that Hitler, he's, he's a really great guy, he, 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 he's a genius. If I, if I were in charge, that wouldn't have happened. Like, seriously, that, that, that anyone who said that would have ended up in jail in 1939. Mm. I, I sincerely hope Trump eventually does end up in jail. So, so anything supporting Trump is also like if, if you share or like or like basically comment in approvingly of anything that supports Trump, you are aiding the enemy. Yeah. You know, it's um, you, you talk about there a couple of things, you know, that I, I think that most of us would love Trump to be arrested. I hope that actually happens and I hope his buddy pays for what he's done. Anyway, end it, we'll stop that. Yeah. The other thing is too, when you talk about in 
I was talking about this to Nikki, my partner, just last night, exactly what you said. I said, you know, what needs to happen is that somebody in his close inner circle needs to decide, needs to realise my family's going to die and I'm willing to risk my life to save my family and he needs to put a bullet right through Putin, Do you, you know, and then and then be killed himself, whatever. That's, that's, yeah, that's definitely one way it ends. And, and yeah, like, like, again, how many, like, go back in time and shoot Hitler, um, mm. like, um, themes have there been in movies and books, etc. So, so um, th- this is not something that they haven't considered probably at this point. Mm, I hope it happens. In fact, I, yeah, I, I think there's there's some early signs that Putin's allies are starting to question whether continuing to be allies is a sensible course of action. So, like the fact that China has has stayed neutral, that's a really positive sign. Um, the fact that the president of Kazakhstan said no to um, providing troops to support Putin's invasion. That is actually really, like, that, that is amazing because the, pres- the president of Kazakhstan is, is a complete Putin puppet. Like, for him to say no to anything Putin asks for is, is unprecedented. Wow. Um, there's been at least one, like, some of the kind of children of oligarchs have been posting um, uh, posts in, in support of Ukraine. Um, in, in some cases, they were very quickly taken down, but the fact that that happened at all is, is again, unprecedented. Um, there was even one oligarch who himself, he posted a photo of um, the former opposition uh, politician, um, Boris Nintsov, who, who was murdered in, in 2015, um, partly for his, his strong opposition to the Ukraine war. So it was just posted with no commentary, but that was very clearly a sign that that person at least is starting to question Putin's judgment and starting to question whether this, this war is the right thing to do. Oh, thank God. Yeah, that's Putin's inner circle starting to ask questions. That's that's fantastic. That that mm-hmm. is fantastic. You you were talking about like how we can contribute to the information war, and, and I think that's fantastic advice because a lot of us probably wouldn't have worked that out. Do you, you know we probably would have been sitting there going, I don't know what to believe, I don't know what to think, I don't know what to share, and then and then we also get emotional, and then we start mm-hmm. to share things because we're pissed off. Do you, you know, yeah, I've been yeah. guilty of that. Like I'm not going to say I haven't. You know, I get I get stroppy and share something, so it's it's going to make me think twice and make sure that I'm sharing what I should be sharing. But the, there's also the part, and I know I saw a post from you on Facebook yesterday or the day before, and it was talking about um, oil and gas and, and yeah. stuff like that. So tell us more about that because we we actually can um, block block Putin and, or starve him in in a sense yeah. by changing our use of gas and oil. And so yeah. tell tell people about that because that's really important. Yeah, um, I'll talk a bit about the economic side of this war and, and sanctions as well. So um, yet another kind of message that this, this is Russian propaganda um, is that sanctions are completely ineffective. Um, like why bother with sanctions? Like they're just completely toothless. Like it's not like oligarchs are going to care about whether they can keep buying their, their like Swiss watches. Um, so, so all of that ignores the fact that the real purpose of sanctions it's not to prevent oligarchs from buying Swiss watches. It's to prevent Putin from funding his war. Mm. Um, and if you look at the specific types of sanctions that have been used the most, it's sanctions against financial institutions. Kicking Russia out of SWIFT makes it much more difficult to just make transfers of large amounts of money. 
tanks and planes and, and bombs, they're very, very expensive. Like a tank might, might cost a $100 million, like that, that kind of level. If you think about how much, how many billions um, Australia has recently spent on buying submarines, um, like, and that's a fairly small number of submarines, uh, Putin is estimated to have lost 100 tanks in the past few days. Wow. That is an enormous amount of, like, his own personal wealth reserves and they're not things that you can just replace overnight it, it would take like I don't know exactly how long but minimum months probably more likely years mm. to build that many new tanks so um, basically economic measures make a difference not just because of of like damaging the economy and potentially like making the Russian people like realize that Putin's not such a good idea for them but it's also because it stops Putin from buying weapons. It stops him from buying more um, parts and more raw materials to create those weapons. Um, it stops him from being able to even just pay his people. He surrounded himself with psychopaths. Psychopaths have no loyalty. They're only there because they think that, that there's profit to be made by aligning themselves with Putin. Mm. If there's no more profit to be made, they're, they're likely to abandon him. So basically... The reason why the economic side of the war matters so much is there are actually ways to cut off Putin's money supply and cut off his ability to wage war. So, and, and this is also something that, like, while none of us really have that much of an impact on, on sanctions, um, each of us can individually boycott Russia by boycotting the, their top exports. The top exports of Russia are oil, gas and coal. Therefore, by switching to renewables in your own life and in your own investments, any one of us can reduce demand for oil, gas and coal globally in just a tiny, tiny way. And again, coming back to that, that point of helplessness, like you might think that, well, my own consumption, it's not like Putin's going to notice if I like, start driving my car a bit less. But if everyone did that, if everyone mm. um, across all democratic countries switched their investments and their lifestyle towards renewables, that makes a massive difference actually quite quickly. So, again, just a few examples to illustrate that. Um, in Australia right now, rooftop solar is the fastest growing new like for, form of, of electricity generation. Um, right now, it's only about 10% of Australia's total energy production, but um, primarily driven by the rise of rooftop solar, um, energy prices have just tanked because, like, once you've got solar panels installed, it doesn't cost anything more to produce. Mm. So these days, there are... Like it's, it's quite common for the actual wholesale price of electricity to be negative. What that means is it's incredibly unprofitable to run a coal-fired power station. And that's basically been the reason why we've been seeing coal-fired power station shutdown announcements being made much more quickly than anyone expected, it's driven by the fact that so many people have taken up rooftop solar. And it's only taken 30% of Australians doing that. Like So 10% of total Australian energy generation to make that kind of difference. Mm. Um, another aspect like regarding investments you might think well I don't have any investments like I'm not exactly um, like any kind of rich person but every single one of us if we've ever had a job in Australia we have some investment through our super mm. so super funds in Australia um, own about 80% of total assets in managed funds which means that ordinary Australians through our super funds are actually some of the biggest investors in Australia most super funds these days offer a green super option because it's becoming increasingly popular with consumers. So what any, any one of us can do is just log into our super account and switch our investments to the green super option. And if your fund doesn't have a green super option, then there's pretty much every other fund at the moment does. 
or you can just contact your fund and demand that they actually implement one finally because they're well and truly behind the times these days if they don't have one. So, like, I ended up doing that finally. Um, like, this was, this was on my to-do list for quite a while, but but realising that the, like, my personal investment implications for the war made me actually finally go ahead and do it. It only took 10 minutes. This is something any of us can do today. Mm. And if if a large percentage of Australian super investors switch their super into, into green super. Again, that, that removes financial institutions funding for coal, oil and gas. That removes the, the money flowing into Putin to fund his war. Mm. It's so simple, isn't it? And we've got we've got rooftop solar and, you know, I can't remember how much it costs, but I'm just going to take a punt at 10 grand, you know, something like that. And we don't have a battery. Unfortunately, you know, that's our next next purchase, but they're they're very expensive. But um, yeah. you know, it's knocked out. So people say, well, I can't afford it. Well, you know, we didn't really want to fork out 10 10,000 either or whatever it was. It might have been 11 or 12. But the thing is, we were we were paying it, I don't know, it was about 1200 a quarter and now it's down to 200 a quarter so there's a thousand very quickly pays for itself and once you've paid that outlay you know you're getting these small bills and you think oh wow and you you feel fantastic every time you do you don't feel angry and ripped off you feel like wow this is fantastic look how it is so it's yes it's an investment but it's it's a good investment it's not it's not an outlay that you don't see the returns and when you're talking about super, you know, I, I had never even thought of that until I read what you wrote the other night, and I thought, oh, I, I think many years ago I had my super in um, ethical, you know, ethical um, yeah. investments and that sort of stuff, and and I kind of left it at that, you know, and I just kind of had this thing in my back of my mind, well, all my super's ethical, but now uh-huh. now that you've pointed that out, I've thought I've started thinking, shit, I need to go and have a look at. It. I'll do it tomorrow and have a look at it and and see if, if it can be changed or or how it can be changed. So if it's ethical, it's probably all, like one of the things that the ethical super like um, super options usually do is that they do usually um, exclude fossil fuel investments. Yeah, but yeah, it's worth checking. Yeah, yeah. I will check it. Yeah. Wow, I'm I'm lo- well, I'm loving this, but I'm not loving it. I, I absolutely think this situation sucks, but I'm I'm loving the fact that we can. You've given us a few really good mm-hmm. things that I think. Yeah, it still feels like not much, you know, because like like you're saying, for each individual, it's only a little thing, you know. But yeah. the, but the point yeah. is, they are only little things. You're not asking anybody. You're not saying to anybody. You all have to change over to um, electric cars. You all have to change over to this. You're not saying that, you know. You're just saying to well, that, that that thing that you do, just cut it back a bit, or just change it a bit, or just. Just make it, you know, just make a little tweak to it, and which is something we can all friggin' do. Like, yeah, we really can. And I, I didn't see. I hadn't even understood it like that. And this is what I love about you: is that you have research, you have thought about it, and plus, it's your home. And I know you don't live there now, but it's still, it's yeah. you've got emotional ties to it. And it, it's, I think that none of us would have even thought that, or very few of us would have gone, oh, actually, if I drive my car less, that'll stop Putin. No, that's just beyond our, I don't think there's, who joins those dots? The average person yeah. isn't going to do that. So I think that's that's one. 
Yes, thank you, thank you for giving me this chance to like help join the dots for them. Oh, it's my pleasure. I want to. I, you know, I, I, like I've got my t-shirt on. If we, if we can make yeah. a difference, why wouldn't we? And 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 that is a question that I ask all the time. Is that if if we can just log into our super and just switch it over to green, why why wouldn't we do that? Did you know? And and I, sometimes we, I think when there's a war. I can't, I just think about in my own life and I'm 58 so I've seen no big war, no world wars in that sense you know but all the other little like um Idi Amin you know you know attacking the Ugandans and and then there was the 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 um the tribes in you know the the two 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 tiers oh I can't remember what they were they were clubbing each other and you know there's just all these little things that the Syria um so we see all these wars and we see we see images of buildings blown up and we see civilians walking through the streets you know with with their the backgrounds blown up and some of them are being carried you know babies being carried they're blown up and and it's it's bloody horrendous, but there is still that disconnect. You know, there is still that kind of well, yeah. oh, the poor buggers. That's really awful. But I'm here and I'm I'm okay. And we've got to stop that thinking. We've got to stop thinking about um, national borders. Do you know? You know, like in like lines of yeah. countries. Yeah. Well, if that's in that border, well, that's them, and this is us. But we have to start thinking that it's one planet. One people, I always say this, one planet, one people, one love. Do you know, we we all come from the yeah, same yeah. stuff. Like it doesn't matter what language we speak or colour we are or it it we're all we're all from the same energy. We're all people. We all we all bleed, we all feel. So yeah. we we have to think beyond ourselves and 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 at what point, like you're saying, he won't stop at Ukraine. And if if we don't care enough to do something now, and he moves over into Poland, mm-hmm. and then he moves somewhere else, he moves before too long. It is us, you yeah. know. And and we've we've got to stop him. I, I was feeling really sorry for Poland too last night. I I said to Nikki, God, gee, Poland, think about all the wars. Poland has been this kind of like drop-off yeah. centre and an exchange centre and it's been pulled pulled by this one and pushed by that one. You know, they're just sitting in this shitty little spot that whenever there's a war, it's Poland. <laughs> you know, like the, they seem to be... Yeah. Yeah, but... Yeah. I, I think, I yeah, you, you're, you're right that, that it's not just Ukraine, like he, he won't stop there, but I think also... He is attacking us right now as well because of that attack against global democracy. The information war side of this matters. Like Trump, the, those first few weeks, he was vastly more open and blatant about his goals of being a dictator than Putin ever was in his first two years. Mm. Um, Putin, like within the first two years, he, he was still trying to really hide his intentions. Like the, he... There was a famous quote by Putin that I have no intention of staying in this chair. Russia had a clause in their constitution that that presidents are limited to two consecutive terms. Emphasis on had. Putin's been in power for 22 years now. So, like, those first few years, he wasn't being that blatant about it. Trump, he he was, like, praising people who, who, appointing themselves president for life and things like that. Trump, it was obvious in the first two weeks. Trump, two weeks after he actually became president, I recall um, like sitting around in, in a pub after work with, with having a few drinks with friends 
Um, and we were talking about Trump, of course, because like it was just the horrifying first two weeks in office. Like it was the worst that people had, had expected of him. Like the, the um, Muslim ban and, and um, like separating families, children in cages, like all of that. That was what was going on at the time. And we were talking about what was going to happen and, and like how this, this could all play out. And like my two predictions were one, that there would be a war and two, that one possibility for how Trump's term in office would end would be with a coup in the United States. And that, like, I, the only reason I was willing to say that to, to a bunch of people, like, openly at that time was, was because it was after a couple of glasses of wine and I could kind of, um, <laughs> I had, like, some, some amount of plausible deniability that, that they would think it was the wine talking rather than assuming I was crazy. It, it, it sounded like everyone laughed at that. It, it sounded absurd at the time. The idea of a coup in the United States on the, like, 3rd of February 2017, no, no one believed that that was possible. Mm. Yeah. Well, and it's it's denial. It's comf comfortable denial too. Yeah, you know that, yeah. that uh, even if there's the slightest the slightest thought in our mind that that could be possible, we're mm -hmm. going to deny it and shove that down because we we just don't want to admit it. We just want to say no. Democracy exists. You know we've got a free world, and and any sort of threat to that, we shut down immediately. Because and even in my house here, you know, like I remember. Two nights ago, we said we were sitting there and we we're both scrolling through our phones and, you know, looking through, watching bombings and, you know, that sort of stuff. And then Nikki said, let's watch Shit, Shit's Creek. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, that, that's a bit like, um, uh -huh. you know, emotion, mental disconnection. She said, you know, I can't do this. I, I just can't do this because I, I'm, I'm starting to imagine Putin attacking us. You know, I'm starting to imagine soldiers knocking on our door. And she said, my 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 mind is starting yeah. to go a little bit yeah. crazy. I think, I think that's necessary. Like you you need you need lightness too. You need something to take your mind off it because like those of us who are not psychopaths, like those those of us who actually have empathy for, for the people in that awful situation. Like it is hard. There is empathy fatigue. There there is kind of like trauma crosses over beyond the people who are actually involved and into the people who are watching or like peripherally involved as well. Yeah. So I think it's important to do things like, like stop and watch it's great. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, um, I've been making sure to just like keep up with meditating every day, um, just doing my stretches and yoga every day. Um, like taking some time out and watch, watching something like completely different in a different universe every day. Mm. Um, because it matters it, it matters like self-care matters self-care yeah. like Putin doesn't think of people as human that's why he's throwing away all, all these like 19 20 year old boys lives he's sending them to fight with with minimal training like terribly equipped um like undersupplied like there's stories from Ukraine of like these, these Russian kids basically like knocking on doors in villages asking for some food because their logistics are so stretched that they haven't had anything to eat for a day like he's just throwing people away because he doesn't care at all. And I think for those of us who do care about people, it means caring about yourself too. And it means mm. like looking after yourself first. So that like one of the reasons why the Ukrainians have actually been like the, the, the losses on both sides, obviously like there's inaccuracy in, in terms of numbers 
it's, mm. it's not possible to get a complete picture of what's going on. But um, like the, the official estimates from the Ukrainian government were about, um, and this is also confirmed by independent sources, were around 3,500 um, Russian soldiers killed in the first two days of the war. Um, and losses of only about a couple of hundred Ukrainian soldiers. Wow. The reason why that, that massive discrepancy is there is because of the level of training and level of equipment that, that the Ukrainian soldiers have. Like when I spoke to my mom's friend um, yesterday, one of the things that she wanted to, like I asked her, like I've, I've got these, um, a couple of media interviews tomorrow, is there anything that you would want to say to people in Australia? And she said, Tell, tell them thank you. We are so grateful for the training and the and the resources and, and the equipment over the last few years because without that we would not be able to hold out like this. Heroism without training and equipment just creates a mountain of bodies. Mm. It, like the training and equipment mat- makes a difference. That's what's what enables them to achieve those kind of results. Mm. That's um, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, tell tell them pass on to that we're all we all care. <laughs> You know, that's that's another thing. I think that sometimes, you know, the, the information, particularly for Russians, you know, the information is blocked, like they, they're limited to what they see. They're not seeing the rest of the world saying we want peace. You know, they're, I think the Ukrainians still seeing that because they're a bit more open with, um, but, you know, I really want them to know, even if it's just from me, do you, you know, that we buddy care and we wish we, we wish we could do more. I love that. Well, I don't love that the poor young Russian soldiers were killed. I love that that was such a, a, a difference in numbers. I, you yeah, know, I, yeah. I love that. Mm. That um, that they're able to hold, that the Ukrainians are yeah. able to hold out despite yeah. being like vastly, vastly outnumbered. Yeah, I love that. And it's it, it's it, it's it's stupid to say I love, you know, in something that's in war, but it, it it's... It's amazing. It's just absolutely been amazing to watch. It gives hope. It yeah. gives it yeah. gives hope that they. Can, I love what you're saying about um, the self care too, and I, I I agree with that because if you're talking about you know uh, doing things with our super or with our economy or you know economic stuff yeah. or with um, information yeah. stuff, and if we're not if we're not switched on, you know, like if we're not sharp in our mind or we've become completely have compassion fatigue or empathy fatigue. Yeah, if you're switched off and just disengaged, then then you can't do anything to help. Or if you're burnt out from the from it, you know, you, you, you're kind of like, I can't, I can't look yeah. at it anymore. So we need to keep looking at it. We need to keep taking action, but we need to do it in incremental steps, you yeah. know, like, or in small steps so that we've still got enough power left in, in yeah. our, our batteries and in our mental health, you know, our mental capacity to to, to rationally think about how, how we're gonna, going to deal with it. So, yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, uh, is there anything else you want to share? Because uh, I think we've covered some great stuff, but if there, I don't want to cut short if there's something else you want to say, but this is... I think that that's... Um, actually, yes. So so the other thing that, like, basically um, the two things that my mum's friend said would be the things, like, I also asked her what would help the most. Yeah. So the two things she said, one was um, tell your politicians to like listen to what our government is asking for because they they are the ones that know the situation on the ground they know what's going on and they know what they need so give them what they're saying they need whether that be equipment resources medical supplies um, like fuel whatever um, or, or a a like the biggest thing they've been asking for is a no fly zone to provide like basically to 
to reduce the, the bombs being dropped. Um, so whatever they're asking for, tell your politicians to give it to them because they know what they need and like they need the entire world's support right now. They're fighting this war on behalf of the entire world. They're not, not just fighting to protect their land, they're fighting to protect the future of humanity. Yeah, yeah. Um, th this is me, me extending it a bit compared to what you said, but like that, that first bit, um, yeah. like that, tell your politicians to do whatever is needed to support Ukraine. That's important right now. And the second thing she said was share the information about the losses and the suffering of the Russian soldiers because if the mothers in Russia whose 19, 20-year-old boys are out there being sent off in, into the wilderness with, like, undersupplied and undertrained and under-equipped, um, they sometimes don't even know wh where they are or where they're going or what this is all about. Like, there, there were some soldiers who, who um, have said, like, um, after being captured that they thought this was just another exercise um, oh. There was a video with a, with a like of a um, captured Russian soldier, like ju just the kid, maybe, maybe like again nineteen or twenty, and he was saying what, um, th that like the the colonel had had um, told us that um, Ukraine had invaded Russia and that they were bombing our cities. Um, so like they've they've been just fed lies and and marched off to die. And if, if their mothers, their families, their loved ones knew what was going on, if they knew the truth, like every Russian mother right now should be on the streets because like otherwise their, their sons are going to come back in a body bag. What's going to happen to them if they get out on the streets? So are they, are they well, going to get gunned down, you know? There's been over 2,000 people arrested so far. They haven't been... We don't know what's going to happen. There, there will definitely be attempts to shut it down using force and using violence. There are, like, they are trying to shut down protests. They are trying to control the information people see to prevent protests. They are trying to use violence and intimidation to prevent people from going out on the streets. That is what dictators always do. And yet dictators have been overthrown by mass nonviolent resistance in the past. Mm. Um, I think that there's a... Um, book called um, A Force More Powerful, which is still on my to-read list, but it's basically about nonviolent resistance movements and how they've been successful in overthrowing dictators. Wow. Um, and while I haven't actually read the, the whole book yet, like one of the things that made me want to go read it is, is like reading a very short summary where one of the things that mentioned mentioned in that is that it only takes about like 5% of the population of the country to really get out onto the street and, and like engage in nonviolent public protest mm -hmm. to be able to overthrow a repressive regime because that's the point where pretty much every soldier and every every um, security services um, person would know that somebody in that crowd is someone they love and that's where like anyone who is not a psychopath like gets to a point where they refuse to fire on civilians mm. and, and that's when the dictator falls I, I, I hope we achieve that I do hope yeah. we achieve that because he seems to be worse than the than the Chinese um, prime minister and worse than the North Korean. You know, he just seems to he's, be. He's gone completely unhinged, and and yeah, yeah like a, a, a deranged dictator with with a large army and nuclear weapons is a danger to the entire world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow, he is he is just Hitler all over again. So we yeah. we have we have to stop him and it's um 
because we can't say that was in the past, it'll never happen again. It is happening again. And if we don't stop him by doing even the tiniest of little things that we can do, it it, it will be the same thing again. Like it yeah. will be uh, her- horrendous. And yeah. then it'll be targeting specific groups of people and specific, you, you know. He already is targeting specific groups of people. He's targeting the Ukrainians. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know. But I mean, you know, like if yeah, he gets yeah. away with that, yeah. it'll be like, well, be now this one, now this one, now this. Yeah. It's just he's yeah. yeah. No, he's just a bloody madman. And I, yeah. you know, it's yeah. gotta it's gotta stop. One other thing that, that just occurred to me that uh, I also kind of wanted to, wanted to mention, um, and this relates to the thing you said about um like watching stuff that's totally unrelated and, and the need for lightness in times like this. Um it reminded me um, of a conversation with my mum that I was having around maybe October, November, and we were talking about Putin. And I was like, I said, you know, if I had like a billion dollars and I wanted to like use that to um, fund whatever would be what I thought would be the most effective to take down Putin, what I would do is fund an army of comedians because um, dictators hate being laughed at. Laughter tells them you're not afraid of them. Yeah. So I, th- I think in some ways Ukraine actually turned out to be incredibly lucky to have a comedian in charge of, of the defence um, at the start of World War III. And, like, there's a reason why memes and humour and laughter, like, these are all weapons in the information war. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Oh, I didn't realise the in charge of the army was a comedian. Is he really? Oh, the president is a former comedian. So, so the oh, way really? he became president... Um, so he actually previously um, acted in, in, in a um, comedy show where he played um, a um, school teacher who kind of accidentally ended up president by criticizing the government for corruption. So like it was it was almost like the, the comedy turning into life because this this comedian with no political experience um, ended up also running on an anti-corruption platform and, and actually got elected. So everyone was a bit like they were, they were expecting him to be a bit um, like of a very inexperienced and not necessarily very effective president. And he's, he's like, he's certainly made mistakes along the way. And there's like, again, as, as my mum's friend said, like we, we have politics like any other country. We have um, arguments between politicians on different sides, like um, people yelling at each other and like even um, people getting into punch-ups in parliament. But now everybody's come together and, and we're all on the same side because we're all fighting for survival. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, uh, an army of comedians. Yeah. I actually like that idea. Yeah. yeah. And and any of us that can make memes and has a sense of humour can be part of that army. <laughs> oh, there's a challenge for most people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Love it. Love it. <laughs> Elena, thank you so much because, you know, I think that we've all got our opinions and we've all got what we're reading and we've all got our thoughts and some of us are more emotional than others and some are more um, in our heads more than others and some of us don't give a shit and some of us are wild and angry and some want to shoot people. I think, you know, we've got all this stuff that's going on and we've got all of our own, um, to be honest, all the stuff that we're making up ourselves because we're just trying to join dots um, without any substantial you know real foothold there but you've given us a a much clearer uh, not only a much clearer picture of the information and what's going on over there and how people might be feeling over there you've also given us some joining the dots about how we can you know it can make a difference and so so we can channel our energy into something a little more productive than just 
ranting and raving, wishing someone would shoot him. Do you, you know? So yeah, I yeah. think, that mm-hmm. even though we want that, um, I think it's no. We're wasting our energy just running around the house saying it. You know, yeah, and yeah. getting it cranky. So I, I really thank you for this. And I, as I said, you, you, you. I, I think you're the most intelligent person I know, and you're also putting that together with the most common sense. You know, I, I think you're an incredible human being, and and it matters to me to have someone on here who's. Um, like that rather than someone who's sprouting their opinion about something which is what I often do but <laughs> you know you, you're so you're just so switched on and, I, and I, I just so value what what you've brought to this and you know you're just amazing yeah thank you Karen and, and again th- thank you for this chance to to speak to your audience because I think this this matters it matters to get this information out to as many people as possible yeah I think it does too yeah thank you so thank you so much. Thanks. Oh, guys, I hope you enjoyed that. And I don't mean enjoy like the pleasurable enjoy. I mean enjoyed it to really, I don't know, maybe to feel that there is something we can do. And as Elena said, reject helplessness and, you know, go and change your super, start to think about how you can impact um, you, you know, the, the oil and gas industry and how you can start to um, share good information that is not um, Russian propaganda. And, and as she said, if they, they don't, if they get past Ukraine, we're all in danger and I don't even want to see Ukraine sitting there as the, the, the people who have to block that. And I think that we all need to step up and there's something we can do. There's been too many wars and too many, you know, like in Syria and God knows what, where we feel like we can't do much. Well, we have to. We have to remember that we're all one people and that we're all connected. So please um, follow uh, Elena on and LinkedIn, Elena Kalareva, and also she's the CEO of Gips Tech. So the website is www.gips. Tech. Anyway, I'm going to put them in the show notes, but please, please uh, follow or reach out to it to show your support. And um, I hope that's been really informative. And I hope that it's left you with a sense of, you know what, I can do something and I'm going to do something. And I'll, I'll we'll get Elena back another time to talk about startups and that kind of stuff. But I really feel like this was what was needed this week. So Thank you very much for joining me as always and uh, go and do something and I'll see you next week. See ya. Thanks for joining me. As always, I hope this episode inspired you. If you know somebody who's taken courageous action to create something that's making a difference for other people, let me know about it. Go to my website, karenvaughan.com, tinker around there, have a bit of a look and send me a message. I can't wait to hear from you. And remember, you're worth it. Your unique talents and gifts need to be out in this world. And I'm so passionate about inspiring you to achieve that. So you've listened to this episode. Just say yes, make the decision and put one foot in front of the other. See you next week.